0: For my part, I know nothing with any certainty. But the sight of the stars makes me dream. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts, here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. Matt, do you know who that was? Uh, I don't. I don't know who it was. It's only it's only VVG, Vincent van Gogh. Vincent van Gogh. Is it Gogh or Go? <laughs> I don't know. Oh God! Oh, no, we're going to get corrected yeah, again, Vincent aren't we? I'm going to I'm going to say Go because I think you are yeah. right. <laughs> I've instantly corrected Vincent myself. Vincent van Gogh. I think it's probably something. I've like been that. to his museum in uh, in lovely
1: Amsterdam, and it was wonderful. Yeah, we did. We didn't go, did we? When we went to Amsterdam, we went to the, we, we didn't went go, to the, No, we went to the modern, more modern. City Which music. was amazing, amazing was Amazing museum. In if fact, you're in Amsterdam, head down. Yeah, I should post the picture of the Elon Musk uh, floor rug that was there. That was yes, yeah. I should post that because that was good
0: that. One. <laughs> You absolutely need to
1: do that. So, how are you, Matt? What's uh, what's uh, going on? I'm I'm quite tired. I've been working, working, working. Busy, busy, busy. Yes, as you know. Oh yeah. But I'm about to go on, on old Christmas holidays, Jamie. After this, I've got, I've got oh, a week. Nice. I've got a week of shows. Yeah, and then uh, and then boom. Holiday time. So we can be really busy. And we've got loads of guests lined up for that period. So I'm we have, really, haven't really But tonight we're going to play the second part of the David Baker chat. Classic DB. The Dr. David Baker, yeah. Excellent stuff. It's, it's all about Mars Base Camp, which he's a massive fan of. I love that
0: he's a massive fan of it because do you know who else is, Matt? Who? Me. Ah, I I really, really am. Am. Matt, what do you think my chances are of going? I think they've increased because <laughs> of people
1: like Lockheed you coming reckon? up with Mars Base Camp. I yeah. still think
0: that I will go... I still think that I'll be able to go into space. I don't know mm. in what capacity. I think to Mars. Because I think, I- you know, a private company, Virgin Galactic. By the time I'm 76, we've talked about this.
1: Yeah. I think I'll be able to afford it. Do you know what? There was... Um, the, the, the. I remember a program about 15 years ago going on about how when they do choose astronauts to go to Mars, because Mm. of the radiation risk, they will choose older astronauts because it won't matter so much that they've got this uh, cancer-inducing radiation because, of course, their cells are dividing slower and so there's actually less risk as you get older. And, of course, you've got less time for those to develop. So that's been the great hope for me is that that maybe I'll get in just purely on my age, let age, let alone my ability You'll be the first oct- octagonarian in space. Yeah. So why not? <laughs> why? Why not? Oh, why not? Indeed. Lovely. So what's been going on this week? Uh, well, this week, everything I'm writing about on in this week's podcast everything that, that i've put in the notes jamie mm. have been things that have been interactions that i've had on twitter I, that's oh, the yeah. thing i love on twitter it's still i think that the, my major source of news i think there's some re- some people write some really interesting things it's a good community on there it is a good community and uh, the one that really sp- sp- <laughs> came out and sprung out and i know you love this topic is that um uh space.com uh, had a an article about lightning bolts are churning out antimatter all over the planet. Ah, oh, yes. And there was a beautiful picture of purple lightning and everything. I'm looking Look- at it now. It's absolutely stunning. And we've we've had this on the we've had this on the show before all the strange effects that lightning has. Uh, when I posted this, though, a, another tweeter called Dennis Wingo or Wingod—that is a great name. Yeah, he instantly jumped on it and said, "We have known about this for 25 years since the Batsy results on the Gamma Ray Observatory." And I thought, oh, I should really know about that. So um, I, I've, I've looked it up. So I've looked up the Gamma Ray Observatory, or to give it its full title, the Compton Gamma Ray Observatory. Nice. And uh, a bit like Hubble, it was part of the uh, major observatories that NASA built, essentially. Right. Called the Great Observatories, I should say. Uh, and it cost $617 million. And it went up after Hubble... And of course, we've talked about another of the great observatories, the Chandra X-ray Observatory, we have. and we've also occasionally mentioned the Spitzer Space Telescope. Yeah. The reason, if you really want to hear about the Chandra, go back and listen to our interview with Jonathan McDowell. Uh, that was, which is he's obviously really ace on Twitter. If you ever follow uh, uh, McDowell on Twitter, he really always has the scoop. So um, he's a gooden. He's a gooden, uh, and uh, so we've talked about. All of those. In fact, we, we, we haven't really talked about Hubble that much, have we? But, but this one, we very, very rarely talked about the, the Compton Gamma Ray Observatory. That's true. But Yeah, but it was deployed into low Earth orbit at about 450 kilometres high, 280 miles. Mm. And so that's below the Van Allen belt, a, a, a tad higher than the International Space Station. And at the time, it was the heaviest astrophysical payload ever flown. Jeez. At seventeen tons, so that's you know it's a pretty old, big old thing. It's Uh yeah. And it flew up. It flew up on April the fifth, nineteen ninety-one, on STS thirty-seven, and was only deorbited on June the fourth, two thousand. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, since then, it's been... Obviously, a, f- a few other spacecraft have gone up. Notably, ESA have put Integral up that has uh, launched in 2002 that does a lot of the work that the Compton Gamma Ray Observatory did. But it had four instruments on board, and one of them was the Batsy, which is what Wingod uh, mentioned in his post. So Batsy... Uh, Looked out for. In fact, it st- stands for the Burst and Transient Source Experiment. Jesus. So it's so it's looking for gamma ray bursts. Matt, that's not your average experiment. No. <laughs> well, it's there's four non-average <laughs> experiments: Batsy, Egret, Comptel, and Ossie, Uh all doing different things. Right. But Batsy had this strange thing. It was looking for gamma ray bursts, and uh, it 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 would find quite a few bursts per day approximately 2700 each day uh and it showed for the first time definitively that all these gamma-ray bursts were originating in very very distant galaxies and not in the milky way so they must have been enormously energetic so that the work it did was incredibly incredibly important um uh well and so were the other experiments they all did pretty amazing things so, one of the things that Batsy did do, uh, which was really cool, it kind of detected uh, gamma ray flashes um, that actually came from uh lightning storms oh really yeah, they made the connection between uh lightning storms and these gamma ray flashes that were terrestrial in nature, yeah. so it actually uh, um, happened on on earth and in these gamma in, in these gamma ray um, bursts flashes of lightning it creates antimatter as well positrons and electrons at the same time so what's really weird is is not all lightning strikes are doing it only certain types of lightning strikes so it only saw 76 uh, of these events in nine years saying that it was it was looking for gamma ray bursts in outer space so it's not surprising that it didn't detect them all But another satellite, or called RECI, started observing uh, these terrestrial gamma-ray bursts uh, and showed that that there was approximately 50 of these every day. Really? (laughs) Yeah. But that is still only a small fraction of lightning on Earth. I was going to say, if you think of all the storms. Yeah, well, there's three to four million lightning events per day. on earth what (laughs) i know (laughs) it's just crazy million
0: per day Uh,
1: wow (laughs) and it says however the number may be much higher than that due to the possibility of flashes in the form of narrow beams that would be difficult to detect or the possibility that a large number of these gamma ray bursts terrestrial gamma ray bursts may be generated at at Altitudes too low for the gamma rays to escape the atmosphere. That's an
0: amazing stat. You know, Matt, once I was on a plane coming back from Hong Kong, Mm -hmm. where I was on holiday, and I... Have you ever seen a lightning storm from the air? Uh, No, I haven't. It's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen, forward slash terrifying, because, (laughs) I mean, our plane just kept dropping, like these... You know, like where it just drops, and it was... Yeah, it was the most nasty bit of turbulence, but... When it kind of passed and I was looking back on it, it was beautiful. Just clouds um, on the same level as you, lighting up from
1: the inside. Did you, did you see any purple lightning coming up? That would have been I didn't amazing. see any purple lightning, no. no that, that, I mean, that, that's no. just the, that's the greatest. Imagine getting a photo of that. No, I've, I've, I have been above a lightning storm. I was in um, oh, Mallorca, and I'd climbed a, a pretty yeah. high hill mountain up to go to see a monastery and I could look down into the town of Inca and I was above a lightning storm that was over the town of Inca which looked absolutely incredible yeah looked amazing so, yeah, I, I've been above it, but not in a plane. You didn't go and take cover under a tree, did you, Matt? No, well, no, I was above it. It was beautiful sunshine at the top of the mountain. It was beautiful. But, and, I'd, and I'd literally had the greatest lamb meal I'd ever had in my life, like slow cooked wow. lamb in a farmhouse cooked by the, the little old lady farmer halfway up this mountain in Mallorca. Thoroughly recommend and it. Di- and did you get to meet the monks? No, it was an it was an old ruin of a monastery at the top there. Oh yeah, I was hoping
0: someone would give you some life advice that would just set you on your way, Matt.
1: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, I no no. I got no advice whatsoever other than <laughs> not
0: not that you're not that you'll get that from a
1: monk. <laughs> Maybe you will. No, I don't, I don't know. know. They might tell me to slow yeah. my life down. And Matt, why haven't you eaten Matt, today? I have foreseen <laughs> that you need to start a podcast
0: that will change the very revolution of space and time
1: open your mind <laughs> <laughs> it's a very creepy uh, look, just there just there so what else has been happening well what else has been happening so we can have a few news stories if you like oh yes please the one news story that that i was absolutely gutted about when we finished last week's uh, podcast
0: oh i know what you're gonna say <laughs> mad mike is, Oh, i really wanted rocking. him
1: to go up you know because we didn't do launches of the week last week and of course we should have done that one uh, so I
0: know that the government stopped this, but are they stopping it full stop? Are they not letting him launch or are
1: they just stopping it? Because can't he just go to a different location or will he just do yeah, it anyway? No, he, he could do it anyway, but I imagine that they're, they're stopping it um, because it's just downright dangerous. It was completely <laughs> dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> like just, you know, you can't just go and do things that you're quite likely to die doing. You know, yeah. not, in, not, in the, not, in the, not in the modern world. You might be able to go and do it I don't wish somewhere. him any harm, but
0: I'm more worried about him endangering other people well, than killing himself what? to prove
1: the earth is flat. Well, what I don't understand is it only goes 1,800 feet in the air. Mm. So surely that's not as high as some tall buildings, is it? But then
0: presumably isn't that his master plan, that he's going to go up and go, no, nope, it's
1: flat, <laughs> I didn't see the globe. It's just really weird. I mean, the whole thing's idiotic to say the least. But it's embarrassing, isn't it? But it would have been quite funny had he had done it. <laughs> but I would have absolutely have loved it. But of course, I suppose him being shut down is going to be, um, is going to be, you know, just feed the conspiracy theory, isn't it? In
0: fact, maybe hey Matt, he did you even did, it did, on purpose. did you see online
1: um, there was a, a
0: wonderful conversation with Musk drink, and uh, he put up a, a tweet that said. Why is there no flat Mars society? <laughs> and um, I thought that was great. And 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 actually, then he started to get into a conversation with the flat Earth society, and it was and it's such a great read. I implore you to to go and hunt down uh, a few tweets ago from 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 old Musk and uh, and check out the conversation he had with the flat Earth society. It's brilliant.
1: Oh, I, I'm de- I am definitely going.
0: They are. I'll tell that. you what, Matt, they are nothing if not tenacious. But what a great tweet. Yeah, yeah. No,
1: totally. I'll tell you what else happened in the, in the week Go on. Uh, to do with launches, which is pretty bad for the Russians. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Russian government uh, were launching a Soyuz with their Russian... Anatoly Zak. Well, Anatoly Zak, who is a friend of Dr. David Baker's. They've, they've written stuff together. That he's, mm. he's kind of basically the Russian, Russian equivalent of David. Um, uh he actually, yeah, on his website, a possible reason why this catastrophe may have happened. So yeah, yeah. a Soyuz rocket taking off from, of course, the new uh Vostochny spaceport. This is and it's the mm. only the second Soyuz rocket mission from the Vostochny spaceport. Uh and as we know, Vostochny spaceport was the one where Putin came down and everyone got the sack and probably ended up in some terrible uh work camp out in Siberia because it was all behind schedule and everything. So it's, it's highly right. controversial in the first place. And mm. it's supposed to be this glistening, beautiful new, uh, spaceport, uh, the jewel in Russia space program. And this is, this is a total blow, particularly when you hear how embarrassing the, uh, possible cause for it might be. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, this was, um, a, a, a Soyuz two rocket. Custom built for the Fostochny facility, and on top of that is a frigate upper stage, F R E G A T upper stage, mm. um, and it's it's it was making its inaugural flight from that launch site, uh, and it seemed to be performing perfectly well, uh, but then the frigate upper stage basically n- didn't end up where it was supposed to be, so they lost uh, communication with it. Now it seems what happened was the frigate upper stage had been programmed as if it was being launched from Baknor or Plisetsk. Um And so <laughs> it basically thought, oh, where right. the heck am I, and started making manoeuvres to, to sort oh, of God. go, to get itself in the right position. And of course, as soon as the, the thrusters all powered up, it's just basically flung itself back into the atmosphere. Mm. And the, uh, one of the things that was absolutely brilliant was uh, a tweet from a air hostess, a British air hostess that I saw. Uh, I think she's called that Jet City Girl or something. We're very, uh, mm. And she had some footage that was sent to her by an airline pilot friend of hers of this Soyuz apparently re-entering, sorry, of the frigate, re-entering and, and all burning up in the atmosphere. with, with Oh,
0: um, yeah, I remember seeing yeah, that.
1: With the basically this, this Meteor M21 Polar orbiting weather satellite. That Blimey. is a very, very, very expensive mistake because that that satellite, the Meteor M 21 was huge. It's a huge old bird. So, yeah, yeah, someone's uh, someone's in trouble. Total cock up. Total cock up. What a shame. Yeah. So uh, unlucky Russia. Unlucky Russia. Jamie. On to the next one, Jamie. Yeah. The Interplanetary Podcast. Putting, the, putting ace the ace back into back space.
0: In into
2: space!
1: <laughs> Still can't get no, over it, I'm sorry. No, no, it's too I'm good. I'm sorry. It's just too good. I've got some other very quick stories that we can rattle through here. Because they're th- on. one's pretty depressing. Ready? Falcon Heavy debut slips to January. Sur- oh,
0: surprise! F- oh, why can't they just
1: say... It's going to be January. Nah. Don't
0: excited. It's a us. good job
1: we didn't buy tickets, eh? Yeah, that's a true. Good job we didn't buy tickets 3 years ago, 2 years ago, 1 year ago, 1 month ago, 1 month's time, January. What a bunch of Mind procrastinators. You, they're saying that January is pretty clear. We're we're now in December. January is pretty near, so pinch punch first of the month. Ow. Matt. Sorry about that's that. Good... Uh, and one of our favorites, old Rocket Lab. Oh yeah. They're gearing up to have another launch from New Zealand in December, so soon. Oh, so that wicked. so that's one for us and old Bob Richards to look out for. Yes. Orbital ATK stockholders approve merger with Northrop Grumman. So that's a big move in the old um space hardware industry. So that's big. One that I'm not familiar with. Oh, come on. Or bothered about. Sorry, man. I'm sorry, but I'm just not. Come on. Give me something spicy. Give you something spicy. Well, it was 50 yeah. years ago that Jocelyn Bell discovered pulsars. and Now you're talking. Yeah, and basically that changed our entire view of the universe. See, Matt, That do you see the difference there? Yeah, no. To be fair. And Jocelyn Bell, what an absolute legend. What an, it's all about JB. It is all about JB. And a lot, you know bit of an unsung hero in many ways but that's i think thankfully to kind of revisionist history she's becoming Mm. more and more famous and getting the recognition she deserves i mean who cares about nobel prizes well i i know that is true i mean Really? Does it matter? Well, I'll tell you. Richard Feynman didn't care about Nobel prizes. He just thought it was silly. He didn't. He genuinely exactly. didn't get it. It was like, well, so yeah. what? My prize is the fact that I uncovered like unique physics. It has nothing to do with like this, like this medal. What? What?
0: No, the people don't need You know, these people don't need these things. No, the, no You, know,
1: you know. it's like
0: when Bowie got offered. You know, to be made sir. Oh. He's like, well, well why? <laughs> I
1: don't really get it. I like why? it. I like that we can bring this to Bowie. Oh, it has to, bringing has to be Bringing it to David praise, Bowie. Praise be. Jamie, I've done something marvellous in space, but I don't want a Nobel Prize for it. <laughs>
0: That's scarily good, oh, thank, Matthew. Thanks. Well done. <laughs> Matt, the UK Space Launch Programme receives 50 million boost in government's industrial
1: strategy. That's got to be good news. No, yeah. So this is all linked in with... With, uh, yeah, the, the, the UK Space Agency are trying to push for a, a kind of, yeah, native launch uh, facility. Yeah. So that's, 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 that's really good news that, that it's become part of the government's industrial, you know, overall industrial strategy. So another 50 mm. million quid towards maybe the UK recovering its ability to launch things into space, yeah, <laughs> which will be a first be and, and never to be yeah. repeated. Uh, we got in there and then we came out again. So, there we go. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. Do you, know, do you know, I was going to talk about Mary Sherman Morgan, but we just don't have time, do we? We just don't have time. Shall, we've, got D, we've got part two DB coming yeah, we've got, up. Yeah, so, so shall we listen to uh, David Baker now? And then when we finish that, we'll have a great space fact for you. We need a space fact. So, a good day, a David Baker. Rolling.
2: The Interplanetary Podcast. Is alive! And NASA's not going to pay Elon Musk to develop SpaceX products to preempt something they've already spent billions of dollars on themselves.
1: Uh, Because on the surface, obviously, all the the space geeks, I guess, would kind of look at SLS in particular and just sort of perceive it as being a continual delay. And a lot of people, of course, have been blaming NASA for the delays in the SpaceX Mm. and Boeing manned Mm. programs Mm, mm, as well.
2: That's right, yes, and and I think one of the problems has been with a lot of those competing contenders is the fact that it has been reliant on NASA money going through, and Congress controls NASA's purse strings. And it has to be said that because Congress itself had ordered up this huge SLS slash Orion, that they were not totally enamored about a lot of government money also going to subsidize these commercial contenders. Because they were paying for two space programs, essentially. And and mm. while the economic argument was self evidently positive in the value that these commercial contractors have, because right at the end of the process the bill is cheaper than it would have been had it been developed in house by NASA. But NASA has has subsidized at the behest of the government who controls NASA funding. I mean, th- this is something that, that really is is often forgotten, the fact that NASA uh, can, can only get what it can argue for taken out of the national coffers. And And the most important mm. thing on that is that it has to be demonstrated that its investment in the commercial contractors is actually saving the taxpayer money. And it's worked like that so far. But none of these commercial contenders... Um, Orbital ATK with Cygnus and SpaceX with Dragon and SpaceX with the Falcon launch system all of those have come off the back of commercial money that has come from the government and none of these people they may very well be very wealthy billionaires but you're going into a whole different wealth band which is outside the capabilities of any single individual I don't know. Probably Bill Gates has enough money, mm. <laughs> but, but but very <laughs> few people indeed who who would not. Uh, there are few um, investment opportunities that that very very high priced and and extremely effective accountants would advise Elon Musk to put the tens of billions which is required to get a Mars mission off NASA. And the American taxpayer certainly isn't going to pay Elon Musk tens of billions of dollars to do this. And he's never developed anything yet which has not been subsidized by the American taxpayer. yeah, that's an
1: extremely good point.
2: And, and, And so there is a limit, which is why these others are being more conservative. And Jeff Bezos is not talking about manned missions to Mars except as providing the services. But the interesting thing on this is that eventually, I think it's fairly self-evident, that, that eventually NASA will get into the business of flying space oil system, flying Orion, and it is here that the major industrial manufacturing monopolists like Boeing and Lockheed Martin, this is where they have their real chance, because they, with much fatter profits and... and uh, mm pockets than any of these smaller contenders who have done stonkingly wonderful service like SpaceX and Jeff Bezos and Orbital and all those people. Um, Nevertheless, when it comes to actually integrating, whereas SpaceX is going wholly exclusively on its own investment opportunities without subsidy from anybody else, Lockheed Martin is aligning its plans for lunar and Mars exploration with the mission architecture that NASA itself has proposed Mm. is the way it wants to go so it's really being very clever Lockheed Martin in locking in that they're providing just as the smaller contenders like SpaceX and Orbital provide the infrastructure support for existing NASA programs like the space station Lockheed Martin and companies like Boeing are supporting at a much bigger and more substantive level the big-ticket traffic, which is Earth to Moon, Earth to Mars. And it's in this concept that these new proposals from, to a certain extent, SpaceX with BFR and, of course, now with uh, Lockheed Martin, which has just unveiled its its very interesting Mm. uh, Mars shuttle, which we can call it, there's Lockheed Martin Mars Ascent and Descent Vehicle, the MADV, which, which is a really neat idea. And in supporting a Mars base that's not on the surface but is in Mars orbit, the Mars base camp that Lockheed Martin speak about is in Mars orbit. So all operations start and finish at the base camp in Mars orbit, and that is a really, really neat Uh, shift in the way that people have been looking at how you do with exploration
1: on the surface. um, It's Buzz Aldrin, wasn't it, that that proposed having a base on Phobos? Yes,
2: and there's great interest in those moons. NASA has just chosen an instrument for the Japanese spacecraft that in the 2020s will dock with the moons of Mars. And so there's a growing awareness that that really um, Mars orbit operations, because the amount of energy you need to get to Mars is less than the energy it takes to get up into Earth orbit. And you're adding another huge energy component in going down to the surface. So once you've got what NASA is describing as the Deep Space Gateway, which will be launched on Exploration Mm -hmm. Mission 3, so essentially, looking back at what is being planned right now, there is Exploration Mission 1, which is the first SLS flight, unmanned Orion. There is then... Science Mission 1, which will qualify the new upper stage without a crew, the Europa Clipper Orbiter, and then Exploration Mission 2 will carry the Deep Space Gateway on this big new upper stage, but Orion will not dock with it. Mm. It will be like the Lunar Module, essentially, and the Apollo spacecraft. They'll go together on the same rocket, and they'll go into moon orbit, but the Deep Space Gateway is basically a space station module which can be entered after Orion has docked to it, but they won't dock on that mission. The docking will come on Exploration Mission 3 when they'll then start to fit it out, and Deep Space Gateway will then be, using electric propulsion, the configuration that you can shift to orbit around Mars without the need to develop any more hardware at all. Whereas if you're going for Mars, you've got to do the whole lot. You've got to do the transport system, the habitation system, because Orion can only support Mm. four people for three weeks, and you've got to have a lander system. And the lander system alone for getting from Mars orbit to the surface is as big a technological investment as all of the rest of it put together.
1: So really, I mean, the takeaway from that is that it's an extremely positive right now for the for the for NASA SLS and, and Lockheed Martin and Boeing in terms of um, the fact that they've aligned themselves correctly with the with this this entire launch system and the whole architecture that how you see it panning out in the next say fifteen years.
2: Where is the biggest money in telecommunications is being a service provider. That's exactly what Boeing and Lockheed Martin want to be to NASA. They don't want to be the whole tamale as What you used to say. SpaceX does. Jeff Bezos does. Although they're beginning now to line up and say, well, we can be the heavy lifters supporting the infrastructure that's needed, the logistical supply. And I think, I think the default position is going to be we are going to need these SpaceX's and Orbitals and Jeff Bezos and all these new operations. We're really going to be reliant on them to provide the logistical uh, replenishment for the infrastructure that will be mainstreamed by the American taxpayer through NASA on the SLS, Orion, Deep Space Gateway, and the Mars Base Camp. And, and I see that while the big manufacturers like Lockheed Martin, which is building Orion anyway, along with the European Space Agency that's building the service module for Orion, I mean, this is mm-hmm. revolutionary anyway, the fact that for the first time in the history of American manned space flight, an American manned space vehicle is not being built exclusively in the United States. Half of it's being built in Europe, yep. the service module. So there's already, you know, all the balls are being thrown up in the air. Where they come down, I think, is best positioned through that alignment of commonality of agreement across all those various factors. But really, the, the enabling technology is going to be, I believe the ability for these SpaceX's and Jeff Bezos and people like that to be able to provide heavy lift that will resupply, replenish the deep space gateway around the moon, because it's not just going to go away as a place to stay. And then there will be, with consolidation of this this space transportation system, whether it's electric propulsion or thermonuclear, we're going to be able to 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 graft onto the top as an overlay on the transportation infrastructure all of the support provisions that these companies have been doing to the International Space Station for several years now. It's merely going to be moving it further out into the solar system. The template is there, it's working. Now, although they've been subsidised by government, they're up and running on low contract prices, doing it much cheaper than NASA, but NASA is best fitted for this this, uh, big, heavy role with these big mega mission objectives. And I think where people once before said new space is the future, old space has had it, uh, that, that they missed the point that in fact it's a convergence of the two and each needs the other and neither can work without its opposite.
1: But as a completely different point, yes. where do where do China uh, and other space nations fit into this? Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can see that Russia is has already made an agreement with America and yes. helping out with the deep yes. deep space yes. gateway. Yes. Yes. But how how did, how do did China fit in with with all
2: this? Well, I, China is is one of those great big conundrums because technologically. One would say that precedent supports the view that whatever they set their minds to, um, a little bit like America in the immediate post-war years, that they can achieve and they will achieve. But I think it's going to take them a lot, lot longer. We're already seeing, um, and this is by no means a negative comment, I, I would love to see China integrated much more into a fully international campaign for supporting both lunar exploration and Mars exploration. So looking clinically just at the technology challenges that they have, their new launch vehicles and their equivalent to the space launch system um, is running into technical problems. They are already putting back by several years the claim dates when they want to start sending humans to the moon. And I think they're going to be suffering the same kind of problems that I think any new aspirant spacefaring nation has in that you can spear off doing individual spectacular missions, but when it comes to supporting a very, very big program with a lot of sustained infrastructure, it takes a lot longer to do it. NASA found that to its great, great cost when it staggered and, and limped its way toward the development of a big international space station, um, starved of funds, admittedly, so it wasn't given the resources it needed, but it's always taken longer to do those things that seem so easy to write on the billboards of public relations advertising. And I think that China is, to an extent, following down that track. So they will get there, I'm sure. How much they want to achieve in the long term will depend on how effectively it fits in with their national program of development. And one of the interesting things is, instead of looking up the lane, down the road from a space centric perspective. If you turn the whole issue its other way up and look down upon the investments that China is making across the board, they have aspirations to be the first and the best and the biggest in many, many sectors. They are putting two and a half times the amount of money into the world's largest supercomputer chains than the United States is. They're outspending mm. already to the ceiling of their investment capabilities, and they are the world's largest detonation, remember. Their whole economic strength is built on debt processing. Mm. They have taken <laughs> almost all of American dollar debt and are processing operations through that as part of the big international financial networks. They are only going to have limited resources to be able to achieve their most vibrant aspirations in each of these technological and scientific sectors. They cannot do everything right across the board. This was where America became very deluded, thinking it could be the best of everybody, in control of everybody, all over the planet. And there were aspirations for it to be that, in order to to control the template on on conflict and, and, and on resolution of national disputes at proxy war level and and found that that he just couldn't afford everything it couldn't afford both the vietnam war and to keep apollo going and literally apollo yeah. sank because of the cost of everything johnson's health education and welfare program never got off the ground because of the cost of both the Vietnam War and what all these technological aspirations were achieving. So it was the shell game. It was being moved around according to where the most opportune development track appeared. So when you look top down across all of these technological aspirations, and then we look at their space program, so much else will have to go by the board, and their budget's going to have to go very, very much bigger if they're going to fulfill what they're advertising as their aspirations and they're running into technological problems directly specifically large diameter tank welding on this new launch vehicle is going Mm. seriously south in terms of capabilities they put back five years the date by which they're now quietly put back five years the date Mm. that they wanted to actually start their moon landing operations now into the 2030s rather than sometime in the mid 2020s and this is indicative wow. this, this is not a criticism this is not a a distinctive um, finger wagging at at uh, how dare they feel that they can do this <laughs> you know they are fantastic <laughs> they are in, they are one of the oldest civilizations on this planet and and they are incredibly capable of doing anything they want but they can't do everything all the time so certainly Technologists are looking when they see what China may be coming up with, and and <clears throat> a lot of this is what fuels and funds and keeps um, people in the American intelligence community awake at nights, analysing and trying to evaluate where are they really in the major, and at the moment their space station program. Um, Is achieving success. It's at a lower pace than they had wanted to achieve it because they're running into technological problems, as every agency does on that level. And it's going to go slower, a lot slower. There may come a time, particularly in this polarization of vertical hierarchical control in their communist system that we've now seen recently with their new... Mm congressional polarization around the supreme leader those words never used previously since the days of Mao Tung, is coming down to fewer and fewer and fewer people at the top making decisions about what that country will do and what it will invest in will there come a point where they decide they've achieved enough to gain the major propaganda value of space or are they committed in the long term as part of their cultural inheritance of being the oldest civilization, to carry humans further into space than any of the competing world nations have ever been able to achieve. $64,000 question, nobody knows. So I think that's very important when we look and try to assess China's role. It's very easy to get monopolar vision and just think space, rockets, launchers, astronauts, and objectives, but how's it gonna be paid for? This is what has kept NASA's budget flatlined for 10 years. The fact that that reality check has been the very reason why now we are not on Mars and why yet we are probably seven years away from the first manned flight of an Orion.
1: Wow. I mean, th- is, is there any chance that there's an empty seat for China at an international effort to uh, deep, space, deep Space Gateway and the trip to Mars?
2: I have not seen any single independent space agency around the world that does not want China to be a colleague, a cooperative partner. And NASA would desperately love to get China much closer to what they are doing, as would the European Space Agency. The Russians are certainly already there. But of course, we have a political structure, which tends to take a different view. And the American Congress prohibits NASA by Act of Congress, not to discuss cooperative ventures at anything other than a very median and low-level approach to China. Mm. And the visits that Bolden made, the previous NASA administrator, Mm. uh, the one before the current acting administrator, um, he had to find financial... um, Uh, resources outside of NASA's budget, I think it came by the State Department to go to China and keep a friendly contact going shake hands and say we hope we can work to have you on board we want you there internationally with us so it's the persuasive powers of Congress that have persuaded the government to hold fast and not to allow discussions so every space agency wants it and, and I don't so, see anyone that doesn't.
1: So is there a chance that 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 Congress could turn around and say, OK, we're going to lift this ban? What was needed to take to do that?
2: I think it would require a readjustment of political parties within Congress. Um, it's been almost centuries since and there are not too many of those in American history, but but. It's been a very long time since we since we had such tight balancing of both the Republican and the Democratic parties, and there is consensus across the political divide for many of the government programs in the United States, and the majority of congressmen and women um, for years now have on average represented seventy five to eighty percent of those are dreadfully accusatory when it comes to China's human rights, and they keep on um, repeating this mantra that until China significantly changes the way it treats people and it treats countries and organizations involved with and Tibet and places like that, that it's not going to allow this to carry on, and that these discussions can be held at low level, but that there must be no dealing and that there must be no working collectively together and they link human rights directly with approval for conducting these maturing partnerships that are just waiting to happen. And we see it with, with ITAR as well. And I think since 9-11, there has been a progressive uh, tightening up of security in the United States um It shows no um obvious end baiting, to the increasing yeah. strictures which are placed upon it um and uh we have a situation right now where even um British and European professional scientists and engineers who are working agreed and funded international ventures with NASA field centers or NASA. Funded companies in America have to go through the most extraordinary security screening, and 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 we are in a situation now where no non-U.S. citizen is allowed to go unescorted around any U.S. government facility, NASA included.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> in short, uh, not very likely. Not very really likely. To, in short, uh...
2: but everybody wants it
1: yeah it's almost tragic isn't it that we because that would presumably be an incredible boost to human space flight and and uh, exploration of space
2: yes it would i think it's needed the chinese have a tremendous contribution to make and if we isolate we box them into a corner and no good comes of that kind of behaviour.
1: No, no, absolutely. I think this is about time we should wrap it up, <laughs> uh, David, otherwise I'll, go, <laughs> I'll have a super long episode. But but that's gone places where I didn't think we would go and it's, uh, uh, and we've gone pretty much a, a, a very zoomed out global view. So thank you very much for uh, well, thank you. E- educating me
2: again. Well, no, it Matt, it's always <laughs> very nice talking with you. This. The Interplanetary Podcast, putting the ace... Back into space. We've got some
1: great interviews coming up. Uh, next week's show, we'll have a, a fantastic one. I want you to
0: give me a space fact that will not just blow my mind, but might blow my
1: soul. Yeah. <laughs> blow your soul. I had that yeah. with a cheap pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I thought you were going to say its name of one of your albums. Oh, well, Blow My Soul. <laughs> it does sound like an o- Oasis it's, it's album. It's a bit of a heavy
1: metal album title, actually, I think Blow My Soul.
0: This one's called Blow Your Soul.
1: <laughs> Are you mad for it? That's good. Cheers. Okay, space fact time. Here we go. On January the 11th, 2013, the University of Central Lancashire, that's in that's in uh, north, that's up north. In fact, pretty up, much the up accident accent that you were just doing just then an Oasis that's accent that's true um, yeah. uh, they discovered the huge LQG mm. the huge large quasar group Oh yeah, the, which isn't a prog rock band, which but it should be. <laughs> it's a collection. Yeah, there's twelve of there's twelve of them, uh, and each song lasts sixteen uh, hours. The huge, large quasar group. Oh my god, that's genius, isn't it? For for <laughs> they were huge, but it is huge. I mean, when I tell you it's four billion light years from end to end. Whoa! So at the point, at that point, it was the largest structure in the universe. absolutely enormous, 73 quasars, and it spanned 1.6 billion light-years in most directions, but this one, 4 billion light-years from end to end. Bear in mind, get get this, so the Milky Way, our galaxy, not our solar system, our galaxy is only 100,000 light-years across. So Hmm. you can imagine that 4 billion light years across is just unimaginably large. In fact, it's so large that it kind of really actually genuinely throws up uh, a bit of a, uh, a problem because it violates the assumption uh, that the cosmological principle makes that the universe is essentially homogeneous or homogenous when viewed at a sufficiently large scale. So it, it kind of is just, Ridiculously huge. But, but, Jamie, if you think that mm. space fact is b- mind-blowing enough, one year cool. later, the pesky Americans <laughs> discovered... Oh, what have they done now? <laughs> discovered, in fact, it was Americans and Hungarians just to rub salt in the wound or rub smoked paprika into the wound. They, <laughs> <laughs> they discovered the Hercules Corona Borealis Great Wall or the Great GRB Wall. Build that wall! Build that wall! And and apparently this thing's twice the size. (laughs) It's like twice the size. So eight billion light years from end to end. My God. So, yeah. Yeah. They had to go one better, didn't they? And again, this was, um, I think this was discovered by one of the GROs, the Gamma Ray Observatory's successor, the SWIFT. And it was the SWIFT Gamma Ray Burst Mission that discovered this Hercules- corona borealis great wall so well done swift well done so there's two big things two very big
0: things out there jamie do you know what matt once i went to alaska mm-hmm. just you know just just hopped over there just just to swan about for a bit and um i i went into a national park called denali very beautiful and um i met a a litter of um little huskies mm-hmm and uh, one of them was called Swift, and he was my favourite one. Oh. And he had a little name tag on saying Swift. I might, put, I might send you the photo
1: to put it up on the blog. Matt was another one. So people can go. Ah, was another one called Spitzer. No, I mean, I see unfortunately, if the Huskies not. had been named after really cool satellites. Space or, or observatories. just one of them called Borealis. Ah, oh, Borealis maybe. would have been a good name as well. Swift. Yeah, that's true. Swift's a good name for yeah. a Husky, isn't it? Swift's a good name. Let's yeah. stick that up. So Jamie, Yeah, I'll send you the photo. Yeah. Let's wrap this one up. Let's wrap this baby
0: up. Let's wrap it up. And um, there's something that people do need to do. I, I don't go on about it, but um, if you go over to iTunes mm-hmm. and you sort of give us, you know, five yeah. stars and, yeah. and, and tell us honestly, tell us we're not putting mm. words into your mouth, but if you've enjoyed the show mm. that's for free, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then, um, you know, maybe leave a, a little review. Mm. It will mm. take you... How long, Matt, will it take Ooh. someone to do that?
1: I reckon it would take maybe two minutes. I reckon it will take two
0: minutes, and it's, a, it's your way... Of saying thanks to us and it means
1: the world um, Absolute. and as i've said interact with yeah. us on twitter because i because we love it and and most of that stuff yeah. is the stuff that makes it onto the show to be honest uh,
0: exactly so if you want to be on the show get yourself onto twitter yeah yeah, you can just come on or instagram we're down with the kids we're, we're on the gram we put loads of grammable stuff. yeah
1: yeah actually i mean we could do with I've people i taught matt how to hashtag
0: <laughs> so um, big time which Matt now now knows is is a search tool. It's not just <laughs> to say something funny. Do you reckon anyone's searching for gamma ray burst missions? There must be other people out there like us. All right, Matt. Well, listen. You look after yourself. I know you're off to a party now. I'd like you to drink responsibly. Yep. And um, you know, have a good time. Have a good weekend, everybody.
1: And you. Everybody. Bye. Ta-ta. See you soon. Bye. Bye now. Bye now. Bye now. Bye now.